Now I'd like to introduce tonight's moderator, Miss Amy Wilentz. Amy Wilentz is the author of The Rainy Season, Haiti Since Duvalier, Martyrs Crossing, I Feel Earthquakes More Often Than They Happen, and the forthcoming book, Farewell, Fred Voodoo, A Letter from Haiti, which will be published in January. She teaches in the literary journalism program at the University of California, Irvine. Please give a warm welcome to Amy Wilentz. Hi, I, um, I'm very glad to be here. I wanted to in- introduce the people who will be talking tonight. Right here is Jordan, Jordan Wagner. He's the CEO of Generosity Water, a nonprofit organization that brings clean water solutions to developing countries. In four years, Generosity Water has raised over $3 million, funding over 400 water projects in 18 countries. Jordan also produced a feature-length documentary film, La Source, about two Haitian brothers working to bring clean water to their village. Um, There is Claudine Michel in the middle, my colleague in the UC system. Uh, Claudine is a professor in the Department of Black Studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara, editor of the Journal of Haitian Studies, and executive director of the UC Haiti Initiative, which was developed by the 10 UC schools in response to the January 2010 earthquake. Her forthcoming book is Offerings, Continuity and Transformation in Haitian Vodou. Uh, and this is Mark Pollock, inspired by his work with Elie Wiesel, a Holocaust scholar. Mark established the Giving Back Fund in 1997 to provide philanthropic management and consulting to professional athletes and entertainers. The Giving Back Fund has managed the foundations of more than 200 high-profile clients, from Yao Ming and Ben Roethlisberger to Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. So that's uh, who we'll be talking to today about the strange vortex of Hollywood and Haiti. Uh, you know, the, the title of this, of this uh, conversation is very exciting to a lot of people because, of course, Hollywood is very exciting to a lot of people and Haiti not so exciting to a lot of people. But I see in my crowd that maybe this is people who are actually interested in Haiti because you're here. Um, So I wanted to talk about, I wanted to introduce everybody and then have a conversation with you all about what it means that Hollywood is interested in Haiti now and and what the relationship is. And uh, so I wrote some notes to myself. Um, When I think about Hollywood and Haiti, and I'm a person who's worked in Haiti for a long time as a journalist, and when I say a long time, I mean a long time. It's about 25 years, and it might be more, but I don't want to admit it. Um, So I'm wary. I feel protective. I feel like, ooh, all these people from Hollywood, and do they know what they're doing, and they're coming down, inflicting their nice selves on Haiti, and they don't even know anything about Haiti. So I get very nervous. What are their aims? What, What business do they have there? Do they know what they're doing? I feel Haiti's very vulnerable all the time as a very poor country, and then I feel it's more vulnerable after the earthquake, so I'm worried. Outsiders are coming in. They're like an invasion. Um, And, you know, I feel that Haiti provides a lot of photo ops and chances for redemption for a lot of people coming down there when it's in such dire straits. They can come and give, you know water to a village and, uh, and a movie star comes with a problem and then they look great. But of course it's not only people with problems and it's very complicated. Sean Penn said a very interesting thing. Sean Penn started, uh, 
he he didn't start it. The Haitians started his refugee camp after the earthquake, but he helped develop it and put organizations together to help the people who are coming to put tents in this place. So he said an interesting thing, and he said many interesting things about Haiti as a movie star working in Haiti. But one of the best things he said, I think, was, we need Haiti. And I think there's a very complicated thought. We need Haiti. Because why do we need Haiti? Sean's point in that interview, I don't know if it would still be his point, was Americans are lazy, bourgeois, they have everything, they don't understand what it is to need something. We need Haiti to teach us that lesson. But of course, Haitians don't want to be there teaching us that nice lesson that we're so lucky, right? So it's a complicated give and take. Uh, Patrick Delatour, who was tourism minister right before the earthquake, said to me, Oh, of course, Haiti, it's wonderful. Uh, tourists will love to come here. I said, Patrick, it's kind of a mess. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. He said, look at Cap Haitien, all this beautiful architecture, and it's a wreck. He said, how many Swedish tourists get to see wreck? So he was being both silly, he knew, but he, he had a point. There is something kind of attractive about that to people from the first world or the developed world or however you want to speak of us. But... I think people can come down, they can want to do amazing things, they can do amazing things, and still step in what Haitians would call caca. You know? There's still a lot of mistakes to be made. Sean Penn has made many of them along the way, and other people who, with lesser uh, contacts and lesser abilities have made many more. And now he's an ambassador for the Martelli government. That's weird. That's, to my mind, a mistake of a naive American. It seems fun. It seems great. I'm the ambassador of a Haitian government. Haiti's so good and cool. But, you know, he doesn't even really, he's not examining who is Martelli. So, and he could get caught in a very bad spot. So, the other thing I want to say, just right before I turn over the conversation to a conversation, is that Haiti was suffering for all these years, very poor and very bad straits, and we didn't see a lot of Hollywood people. People from Hollywood tended to come down because Haiti is a fantastic... Uh, melange of art and song and, and tradition that's incredibly inspiring to, and it has been for decades to a lot of outside artists as well as to Haitians. So they came down for that, but they didn't come down to help. Now they're coming to help in this crisis, and we want to see whether it's working, whether it's helping or whether it is, as a colleague of, of Claudine's would say, killing Haitians with kindness. So with that, I wanted to, uh, I guess I'll address... Jordan first, since he's right to my mind. <laughs> Jordan brings people into many places to drill wells so that people can have clean water. And he works with this celebrity, a group of celebrities who come in and they put their pretty faces in front of the camera and they can help raise money. Do you think that's a perfect solution for helping people? And how does it work a little bit? First off, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with, with everybody and, and an honor to be on this panel with so many brilliant minds and, and thinkers and uh, just thank you for having me here. But to answer the question, um, we don't just work with celebrities, first of all. I think we work with people and we work with grassroots organizations. We've worked with students from nine years old to professors and teachers to business owners and, and right. celebrities. And so I think the important thing is bringing awareness and, and mobilizing people to realize that there is power in small acts of kindness. There is power if we all work together, we actually can see change happen, you know? And so 
Um, I don't think the solution is a celebrity going to a well, taking a picture and saying, hey, isn't it great? Like we helped well, the well community. has to get built, right? Exactly, exactly. And but so, they can help you raise the money totally. to, to put that well so, in. So, you know, we, we have, we've partnered with people like Katy Perry, for example, who've taken us on her tour and raised about $50,000 at one of her concerts to, to build wells. And, and 100% of that money went directly to wells on the ground, right? And so I think... Uh, the problem with a lot of organizations is a lack of integrity and a lack of honesty with where the money's going. And so, which is why we've committed and we've built this model to where 100% of public donations can go directly towards programs in the field and we're able to cover our overhead with board members and uh, private businesses who believe in our model and want to help us to keep doing that. Um, so we provide 100% reporting back on every well that we've done with photos and videos like you've seen on the website and also but detailed also with reports. financial documents. Exactly, right? exactly. And and so, let mm -hmm. me go on and ask Claudine. Claudine is, of course, Haitian by birth, and I wanted to hear what she thinks as a Haitian of this kind of, of work. I mean, a well gets built. That's fabulous, right? Katy Perry uh, gives the concert. So why does Mark Schuller write a book called Killing with Kindness, and what do you think about it? Killing. See, I should be doing that with my book, but I'm not. <laughs> Killing with Kindness, a very important uh, contribution to, to scholarship and applied work in Haiti. And um, Mark Schuller, among others, understand what it is to have principled alliances uh, with Haitians on the ground. And he's also done a film, Potomitan, that many of you might have seen. And I think he understands that the story ought to start with Haitians. And that's, why so, that's what so many Hollywood people uh, do not do. Uh, they have an idea. It goes from top down to bottom. And um, they often say, you know, I've talked to Haitians, but it's one or two Haitians that they've befriended uh, versus really going to the actors who have a track record, who understand um, the community, and who have proven themselves. And those can also be uh, non-Haitians, and there are some of you in the room okay. right here. So why does that work better, according to you? Why does it work better if you go to the Haitians who are the actors? What is it... What is better about that than, than simply Jordan and his people working with some Haitians, building a well in a village? Well, Why is it important to have that? Let me, let me give you an example instead of answering the question directly. Just before I came, I got an email about a biking marathon in the mountain. And there were all those buzzwords there, unexpected, rugged, epic, daunting, um, uncharted, adventures, uh, spirited, fearless. And it's... Outsiders defining Haiti for Haiti. And this that we're is raising not, money with a bike race? Yes, but this is not what Haiti is about. This is not what Haiti needs. Uh, like, for example, I recently saw the film of uh, Bern um, Moser, and it's a very powerful film, but it's also about baseball in the time of cholera. Is baseball a sustainable uh, sport in Haiti with the gears that are needed versus cultivating the, 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 the football, the soccer that we have at home. Um, and to go even deeper into the, the um, questions, we might be getting uh, wells and other material things, but we're losing our soul um, because there's no doubt about it, Haiti's occupied. Um, you have 11,000 NGOs 
who come in with their own projects. NGOs or non-governmental no, organizations. Organizations. You have very well-meaning young white individuals, primarily, who go to Haiti, want to solve the world, they want to build a career, they are well-intentioned, but they also do not understand the culture. And um, our society defer uh, from the West in, in crucial ways that are fundamentally solid um, and, and, and profound. And one of those elements, for example, is the, the Vodou religion, which sustained the society and the worldview. And we understand what the collective means. We understand uh, what it is to have a diasporic laku. You know, but sometimes when I, I often make the same or a similar argument, to yours, like Haiti's occupied, people are coming in, they don't know what they're doing, and people say back to me, I had just had this fight with someone about the new uh, textile plant up in the north. This is horrible, this is like a new plantation, I said, what, just taking people and, and giving them the worst kind of jobs, and they said, but they want jobs, they need jobs, they have to have jobs, you know, it's, it's so, it's been bad for so long that these arguments that you and I find a little reprehensible can be made with not you know, and, and not be totally immoral. And that's what bothers me. What if, what if Jordan doesn't come in with his people from the outside, admittedly, and build that well? When is that well going to be built? And how, you know, you, my problem is that I think that you and I are often asking for a revolution that isn't happening. But I wanted to give now Mark a chance to take the floor and we'll come back to this whole conversation. Mark? Do I want to take the floor? <laughs> take the floor. No, I, you know, we'll I can ask you. We'll talk about baseball. Know, I want you to talk about what we're talking about here. Okay. Um, as let much me as offer, you can, Mark. Let me offer a few comments. Um, my expertise is not in Haiti. Um, and, I, and I have been there, but on cruise ships, not, not in the way that, that uh, these people have. But um, what we do is manage a whole stable of foundations. And two among them are foundations that are doing work in Haiti. One is uh, for the actress Maria Bello, who is unique among Hollywood, I, I think, from what my purview, among Hollywood uh, people who have a passion for something and decide to leverage their celebrity on behalf of it. She actually goes to Haiti every third week as a mother of a nine-year-old child with a busy acting career. Um, and, and that's rare, usually, uh, not for Sean Penn, right. but for most people. What, um, is, what does her foundation do? I'm it's sorry. called We Advance, uh -huh. and she's created a, um, a center for abused women. And what makes, I think, her work unique is instead of, as you've been talking about, instead of trying to impose what we may think or she may think or anybody she works with may think is good for abused women in Haiti, she actually asks, what do you need? What is it that you don't have? What can we do to help you? And listens and then tries to implement it, right. which, which I think is, is special for somebody um, who's not from that country. Um, we go all over the world to Africa and everywhere else and think we have solutions instead of listening to people on the ground. The other um, foundation we run is from a Haitian born uh, professional football star named Jonathan Vilma, who's the captain of the New Orleans Saints defense. And he's building a school in Haiti, which are needed right now, um, in a collaboration with APJ, Artists for Peace and Justice, which is a charity that Paul Haggis from Hollywood started here. 
uh, with a whole slew of, of Hollywood celebrities involved. And Jonathan has gone down and viewed the school and is involved and is Haitian born and so also is involved. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, w when we talk about celebrity involvement in your charity and anywhere in the world, um, celebrity is a very powerful lever. Bob Costas once said that celebrity is the number one currency in America today. It's probably the number one currency in the world. And it is because you can attract dollars, you can attract people. If we had a big celebrity on stage, there would be There would be a lot more, more people here. <laughs> <laughs> if Wycliffe Jean was here, uh, we've also worked a bit with him, and, and he does a lot of work down in Haiti as well. Um, and so it, it does add a whole different level of, of support, as you can see from all these telethons on, on television. The last point I want to make is that I think Hollywood's um, real focus and attraction to Haiti really started with something I called CNN philanthropy. CNN now brings you every disaster in the world into your living room, and then it gives you the platform to have a telethon to help that disaster. And after the uh, earthquake in Haiti, CNN stepped forward, did a telethon, and Wycliffe helped host it, and they raised a, a lot of money and had a lot of Hollywood celebrities come on that telethon, and when you do that, you're able to encourage other people to give. And they give not necessarily because they care all that much about Haiti, even though they should, and it's a powerful um, reason for giving in, in a time of great need, but because they love the celebrity who's asking. And so... That they want to be a part of that celebrity's thing. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're influencers. Yeah, yeah. So I'll well, stop there. But. I wanted to say one thing in response to what, what you're talking about. You know, sure. you talk about Maria Bello's Bello. women's group for abused women. Yeah. But I'm thinking, oh, I know Haitians who've run one of those for like 10, 15 years. Three of them were killed in the earthquake, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, these feminists who ran these yeah. uh, women's shelters. And, the, and, and then you tell me they're building a school, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's really, that saddens me too, because why isn't Haiti building its own schools? Well, one of the problems with a republic of NGOs, of non-governmental organizations coming from the outside, is you become reliant on them. They come in because you're weak, and they come in because you don't do what you should do. And then it becomes a sick symbiotic relationship where the only people who really lose, to my mind, are the Haitian people because they're not, they, they no longer or they never become deciders in their own fate. So for me, that's a problem. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about the way you feel about people on the ground, the people you talk yeah, to, the people you see. Absolutely. I, mean, I think it's really a, a collaboration, to be honest. And I mean, we go into communities and, and absolutely partner with leaders in the community. And every water project that we do, we form what we call a water committee. And we make it equal men and women. And it's usually about 10 people. And it's usually leaders that are already existing in the community, nurses, doctors, teachers, pastors. And this is a group that's in charge of mobilizing the community to help dig the well, help with the sweat equity. And we've seen, uh, we've worked all over in Africa. We've been to UN wells that have been broken down right. after two years I've and nobody those. knows who to call, how to fix it, what to do. So from the very beginning, our model was always about the quality and sustainability of every water project. So we've empowered community members to take ownership of these projects and they actually contribute on a monthly basis something equivalent to like 25 cents or 50 cents a month, everyone who uses the water project, and it's managed by this local water committee. And so if and anything... And they can fix it? Exactly. So if there's any problems with the well, they actually have their own fund now to help fix minor problems with it. 
And what yeah. we've seen with this, though, is that after the first year, a lot of these projects are still going strong, no problems. The community is now able to use that to buy a goat or a cow or put someone to school and use it for whatever the community needs. But at the end of the day, our goal is not to come in and adopt a community or change their culture or values. Our goal is to empower people. And so when you go to it, when you, I mean, I've been to Haiti a dozen times in the last two years. And when you go there and you meet real people, you see kids that are walking four or five hours a day walking yeah. for water. And then you know that you're able to help this community stop that. You're able to see these kids now go to school because they don't have to walk for four or five hours. You know that you made a difference in this, right. in this community's right. life. So an immediate the, difference. An immediate difference. So all that to say, like the notion that raising awareness and raising funds in the U.S. to bring help and solution to a developing nation is bad, I don't, I don't really agree with that because I've, I've actually seen tangible difference <coughs> being made. Right. But to your point, I think that it has to be a collaboration. You have to work with local people. and You have to empower. It's really a partnership. One thing about working with local people, you know, I, I hate to be a naysayer about all this because I think these people are really well motivated, many, many of them. Wycliffe, maybe not so much, but maybe. Um, but there are always, there's always the downside, and because I know the country so well, I'm always thinking of that, and I'm thinking, like, who told you those were the guys in town? You know, mm -hmm. how, do you know how do you know they're not just buying a cow for their brother? as opposed to the community. There is a problem. I mean, I don't know if it's in Africa and other places where you work, but in Haiti, I've seen this problem a lot, so I don't know what gets left behind. But I'm sure you stay aware of it. I mean, I don't question your motivation. I just wonder how... See, one of the things I've written about in my new book is how the white man gets used also by the Haitians, how our naivete... Totally. We come in, you know, we totally. have $10,000, we're going to spend it on your well, and like... Yeah. Yeah. Some of it goes to the well. Exactly. No, it's true. You know, yeah, it's hard. That's true. But Claudine, you want to speak to all this stuff? <laughs> oh, don't make it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that I have a question for you, which is, what, what are the plans to empower the Haitians and then leave and have them continue building those wells without the external presence? That would be the kindest thing I, I can see at sure. the moment. Sure. Um, I'm glad. Very diplomatic. Have, absolutely. <laughs> sure. I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen that water is really the catalyst to community transformation. And, you know, in every country that we've worked in, like, for example, we didn't want to go in and build more hospitals if the number one, if more than half of the world's hospital beds are filled with patients affected by water-related diseases. So we thought, let's eliminate the reason why people are going to the hospitals in the first place is by providing clean water. And if uh, kids are spending several hours every day walking for water, uh, we can't build more schools in these communities unless they first have a water source. But so Jordan, you can answer her question. So what, how do you arrange with the community for them to go on sustaining it once No, yeah, I was getting there. I guess I the, know, I what, know. what I'm saying is that, I mean, water <laughs> is ultimately empowering people to be able to go to school and to be able to be healthy and be productive in their lives. And at the end of the day, when we're working with local people, providing jobs, allowing them to, to drill these wells and teaching them on sanitation and hygiene, to me, I've seen real difference, and I've seen people become empowered. We just produced a documentary called The Source, which is about these two Haitian brothers that rally the, the school of Princeton to get behind them to raise these funds to, to help build this $25,000 water project. Two guys living in the diaspora. And so, Princeton. I mean, we, I've seen it firsthand, you know, and so I guess to tell me that it's not empowering to someone, I just believe it's simply not true. Can I ask him a question? Am I allowed? Um, I just want to make sure Claudine gets to say okay. her. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know your projects. And I'm sure that there were important projects. Uh, it seemed like your, your um, 
what you're bringing is of value to the community, but you should replicate that at all levels. Um, you have people saying, we can run the State University of Haiti for you. We're going to run your hospitals, and we're going to take care of your peanuts farms. And the, the Haitians are really not um, given the opportunity to step forward and, and learn and be able to actually run those projects. When you have a, a, a physician, and that's an actual number, who gets uh, per day in terms of pay what the Haitian doctor gets per month, this is unconscionable. But that has nothing to do with what we're, right. what we're doing. Right, that's the well, thing. That, sure that's what. one of the problems yeah, in this conversation yeah. is that Which is each little project seems great, but the, but overall, the overall scenario, scenario is, yeah. is the sure. problem. Sure, I guess, I guess the, the, the real issue would be addressing organizations that are doing things like that. We're talking about on a community level in villages building clean water wells. So, I mean, if you're going to especially talk about our organization, I'd love to stick with what we're actually doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand, but I'm also trying to get a sense of, of the, the audience of the global population. Totally. It's in all arenas. So what's left for the Haitians? It's a situation of dependency. Um, things are not put in place sure, so that... Sure. Things can be it's sustainable. Not re- she's not really talking about your thing. No, she's sure. talking about the whole. You know, thing. as I said, you, you seem to be doing good work and important work, but it's it's the larger picture which is really troubling. And basically, all this is about colonialism, imperialism, racism, about who controls power, who has access to what, who doesn't have access. Like Amy and I were having a conversation just before this started, where <laughs> yeah. she says that the Haitian journalists don't have the platform to be able to. But I just found out that Haitian journalists <laughs> are always mad at me because if I want to write something about Haiti, I can pretty much now that I've worked on it for 25 years get it in an American paper. But if they want to write something, publish something about Haiti. They've been working on it for 25 years, too, but they only are published in Haitian papers. Yeah, but so it's about access. access it's about right. privilege. And, and often it's white privilege. What, what passport that opens for you that Haitians who work as hard don't have that kind of platform. Right. So what I'm mostly in favor of are the small Haitian community projects that have been in existence since the earthquake. And Haiti Soleil is one of those, a small community library who became a, a center of, for the evacuees, who helped people Claudine, with... what if Maria Bello said, exactly. tomorrow, I want to I advocate for Haiti Soleil, I want to raise money. Would you be for that, or would you be against that? I'm curious, because I'm really curious about how celebrity can actually <coughs> help, as opposed to how it can seem to help. I think the project should not come from outside. The, the project, projects, but the money the, can. The money can, the projects should come from inside... Because the people are not stupid, they right. just have been impoverished uh, by both a history of oppression and the abuses of the internal governments. And they have minds, they are smart, they are clever, they can do extraordinary things. It's about seeing what they need and, and guiding them. Right. And again, I go back to Mark Schuller, um, who has this extraordinary um, phrase. He said it's about accompanying the Haitian people in their struggle for justice with respect and dignity. And to accompany often in the medical uh, world in the third world is someone who goes, who is a, a, an indigenous person who is, goes from the hospital to make sure that the patient is taking his medicine. They, they're an accompany, accompanier. But it, I want to make sure Mark gets a chance to speak to him. What were you going to ask, I want to ask Jordan? my question. Um, what got you interested in water? It fascinates me because you're a young guy. You could do anything. How did you get interested in doing this? 
Sure. Yep. Um, four years ago, I was doing real estate and mortgages in 2008. <laughs> that would make sense to me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, we, were, we actually did pretty well at that time. We opened up an office in San Diego, and we had one in Sherman Oaks, and we're, we're growing pretty quickly. And I had the opportunity. My dad's a pastor of a church here in L.A. on Wilshire in Hollywood, and uh, he was doing some water projects in East Africa and an orphanage and some schools there. And I had the opportunity to go to uh, Kenya and Tanzania, Uganda and Ethiopia. And I spent a few weeks there. And honestly, it was when I was in those countries and I was seeing several hundred women and, and boys and girls that were carrying 45 pounds of water on their head, walking for four or five hours a day uh, to find this water and bring it back home. We heard stories of people that had to camp out overnight at water sources just to hope that maybe some spring water would flow in the next day, take it back to their homes. And we went on these journeys with them. I remember going on a, on a lit, this is not even an exaggeration, we went on a four-hour walk in Kenya in the 110-degree heat, walking with them because I wanted to fully understand what it was like to walk for this water. And uh, we went to this one source, and it was completely brown. There was leeches in the water, contaminated, but it was the only source of water that people had. And so when we uh, <clears throat> started doing more research, we found out that it's the number one cause of death around the world today, and that more hospital beds are filled with patients affected by this water-related disease. And um, and so it was something that I knew that, man, this is such a massive problem. What can we do to help? Can we even make a dent in this crisis? So we started working with local water offices and understanding how much it costs to drill a well, what organizations were doing what. And in this particular place in Uganda, half of the population had died a month before from a cholera outbreak. The name of the village was Peche Village. It meant overcrowded. And uh, they told us that for $5,000, we could drill a well in this community and that we would give everybody access to clean water there. And if we would have done that a month ago, those people would still be alive right. today. And so I came home, and uh, it was around Christmas time, and so I asked friends and family and people that I knew and even didn't know. I said, hey, would you mind donating something to this water project in this village that I just went to? And we're going to give everything to this water project. So we were able to raise the $5,000 and went back, and I took some photos. I worked with our, the, water communities, uh, the water offices there, and we did a whole study of the project, and I showed it to everybody who gave. And that's kind of how we started Generosity Water. So we started as a grassroots organization and just so happened that celebrities jumped on board to use their influence as well. Um, but really, you know, 420 water projects later, we've seen over 250,000 people get clean drinking water. And it's, and it's so good, right? Exactly. It's so incredible. And these kids aren't dying who won't die otherwise. Exactly. But the biggest problem to me is patchworkness. Like in Haiti, I know that for years, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Dick Durbin has been working with the Haitian government to try to figure out how to build a water system in Haiti. They still have not got one, right? So sure. your little things sure. that you're doing sure. are important for sure. those areas. But that's what really needs to happen. And, you know, how you mobilize both the Haitian government and the outsiders to get the thing done. And, and the, one of the problems, I think, is that we've watched for so long while the, the biggest kinds of organizations in Haiti, and I don't know if you're even aware of this kind of thing, and, and Mark doesn't really know that much about Haiti specifically. But the biggest organizations, the U.S. government, USAID, the U.N., the World Bank, the International Development Fund, or whatever it's called, Development Bank, they've been working on all these problems for 25 years sure. and 50 years, and they haven't solved it. And it's not sure. because Haiti's bad, and it's not necessarily because they're bad. It's because they just, they're there to keep themselves going. That's mm -hmm. what I feel, especially mm -hmm. USAID, which... Mm -hmm. I've really watched for a long time, and they have a huge building, and they have huge budgets, and then nothing gets done totally. on the ground, but they're still there, and it 
it makes me crazy. So sometimes totally. I think, well, the little patchwork thing is at least it does something, you know. Yeah, I mean, it makes it changes the world of that particular that community, particular and that place. family that we helped, you know. But for I, that time, exactly. We well, don't know for how long, but exactly. And at the end of the day, I mean, though, I would agree with you, and, and I mean, in that it, we have to partner with local people in these countries. We have to empower them, and at the end of the day, support projects that they've already started. And I couldn't agree with you more. But I mean, I think it is. A partnership, just like you said, this is an incredible organization. So, wouldn't we want some celebrities to help raise money to support this incredible project? Like, would we tell people here that if they want to help people in Haiti, that they shouldn't give any money, they shouldn't do anything? No, that's you scary know, I, too. That's I, very you know, scary. I don't, I don't think that that's the answer. What you're doing is the personification of Margaret Mead's famous dictum, which is, speak. <laughs> Go. Don't leave us all I, hanging. I, I being don't know uneducated if I could repeat it exactly as she yeah, wrote it, but, to. but. The significance is a small group of concerned people uh, yeah. coming together to do something, and that's, that's the most important thing in the world. That's how the world changes, from a small group of concerned people oh. coalescing around a cause. We Since you talk about another. dictum, <laughs> I will go to Lao Tzu, who 700 years before Christ wrote, go to the people, listen to them, learn from them, Start with what they know, work with what they have, and with their leaders. And when the work is done, they will see we did it ourselves. That's great. That's beautiful. Chinese philosophy, seven hundred. And in Haiti, before. in Haitian history, there's something called the combit. Uh, I'm sure that that Claudine can speak about this. But these were and are, and and many groups are now called combit. It means it basically means a group that gets together to work in the community. And from the days before, well, from Africa, and then in Haiti during slavery, these groups would work among the now African-Americans to get things done for the community. And then after independence, they built a lot of Haiti. Uh, and they were just community groups that decided to organize themselves to put up a roof or to build a school. And they did that, and they're still working in those kinds of groups now. So, I mean, I think that's a, a thing that can really be tapped in Haiti to build the country if only we had responsible leadership in Haiti. Well, to, to make my position clear, <laughs> of course we welcome the genuine help. And there was two types of help. There was the humanitarian help, which arrived right after the relief, earthquake. Right. The relief work. And m more than 300,000 people would have died without that kind of help. But we also had a lot of red tapes who can't use this kind of medicine because the government has not authorized it because this NGO did not allow this other NGO to touch their palate or what have you. But the, the movement from the people themselves, like there's this um, quote this by Kitley Moss, one of our uh, writers, who said that for the first time in many, many years, we didn't see race, we didn't see color, we didn't see right. class, and people were outside uh, together. There were no barriers, and the, the community was helping the community. And, and people and spoke about rich people would come in their BMWs and pick mm -hmm. up poor exactly. people whose arms exactly. had fallen off. Exactly, and, and she Bleeding said, I looked at the stars that night, and it gave us hope to, to continue right. going. So what we're saying is, the genuine help is, is welcome, but we really have a situation where Haiti is no longer run by Haitians, and you have sometimes well-motivated uh, younger folks, older people, who decide that this is the kind of humanitarian help that I'm going to provide. And they, they go in, and you know, for two years, three years, they're 
you know, building school, doing this, doing that. But then the Haitians no longer have ownership right. into sure. their, their projects and the community. And, and that's where the, the problem comes in. And, and are there solutions? Yeah, yes, there are solutions. It's really going to the community and seeing what people want and working hands in hands with them right. to put those projects in place. But don't place. you feel, Jordan, that that's kind of what you've done? I like to have Jordan here because I think it shows that small things can get done yeah. well. And, I, I, you know, I haven't been it to your project, so I don't know if they've been corrupting. Like, one, one thing that happened was Haitians all got together right after the earthquake, and rich people picked up poor people, and poor people helped out rich people, and, and that doesn't happen that often in Haiti. But, like, three weeks later, when all the outsiders came with tons of money, the same BMW that would pick up someone in the street was now for rent for $1,000 mm-hmm. a week mm-hmm. so, because there were people who could pay that money mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So it, totally. the money is corrupting mm-hmm. sure. sometimes. And, uh, it's, it's, never, it's never a good thing when the, the largest economy in a country is aid work. It's that's never right. a good thing. That's and, right. I think that about and, sums up yeah, the yeah, conversation. Absolutely. Right. absolutely. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying that I don't think that that would ever deter me from trying to help somebody. Do you know what I'm right. saying? But, but but I, I, I definitely don't think that on a macro scale that if we continue to pump all these dollars into aid work, that's the final solution. But I do think <laughs> that it is helping people, and I do think that there are certain organizations doing great work. And at the end of the day, it, it comes from leadership. And, and like you said, we do need to uh, empower people. And, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to speculate what would have happened if aid work didn't happen there. I mean, 220,000 well, people died. You know, after the earthquake, there had to be a relief effort or humanitarian Of some effort. kind, that, right? That had to yeah. happen. It's in the longer-term reconstruction thing that it becomes weird and demented and depraved. Sure, and I would be the first person to ask. I mean, we raised, what, 20 or $15 billion? Where is you it? Know, where, where did it go? I just got back right. from Haiti last week. Well, there's a great you know? piece, actually, in this week's Nation uh, about the Republic of NGOs. You should look mm-hmm. at it. It's really good. Yeah. And one of the things it describes is how three years after the earthquake, there are still what you saw, what you were telling me before, still camps, uh, still homeless people, still terrible problems and terrible poverty. And then you go to the UN's log base, and the nation describes it as, you know, the best-looking toilets in the entire country are where the UN workers are, of course. Anthropological voyeurism. Yeah, right. And, and, and one of the most disturbing things for me has been the number of photographers who have yeah. made a living showing us one more time how poor Haiti is and what it is to have this one little kid in the middle of a pile of garbage. Right. This is really disturbing. I agree. And, and um, yet, anthropologists, yet the one little kid is there. Yeah. That's anthropologists the who, who take photographs, like I, I saw this short documentary about Carol Beckwith, I believe, who took this beautiful shot of an African um, beaded young woman during initiation, but there was this whole thing about she was very far away and was she even allowed to take that photograph? Right, right. And, and the photograph of a young man being circumcised and when women from the community don't have access to, to that. So uh, it's... You know, people who have gotten awards over photography. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I often think about this because, okay, my whole life I've made money off Haiti writing. And then since the earthquake, I would say I've made a lot more money off Haiti writing. And it's very disturbing to me as someone who has actually cared about Haiti for so long to, to be in this weird relationship with the disaster. Sure. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. Mark, would you like to say one more thing? Anything that speaks to you from this conversation? <laughs> well, interestingly, closer to 
home, um, from what you're saying about what's still left to do there, I um, was given a tour of the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans the other day, um, not from an earthquake, but from a hurricane. Right. And it's still, after all the celebrities, after all right. the cameras, now that the cameras have left, um, you can't drive on the roads. They're but you know what? Haiti is too fun for these people. They're not going to leave. They're having a great time. You should see Sean Penn. I'm not mm -hmm. attacking him at all. I like him a lot. I think he's really <laughs> doing a great job. But he's having the best time. I think he's having the best time of his whole life. Because he has We should meaning. talk about the pleasure Katie of escaping Hollywood. The pleasure of getting away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also visited that camp. And of course, they're doing good work. They're helping the people. But the number of cases of beers that I saw under the of volunteers. What? Cases of beers. Oh, yeah. Those are okay, and Those are all Sean. <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. I don't think so. And, and the thing is, I wasn't looking for them because my husband asked me earlier. I said, I'm going to tell about the beer. The, the bed. And it's like, don't go there. But, but the, you can't the, the thing it. is, I can't, well, it's, yeah, you mentioned it's that, so thing. it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like I was looking. I was visiting the camp, and you saw the little cots and everything, but not like two, three bottles of beer. So people are having fun. They are having people fun. People are spending big and money. And it is fun. I'm and I've even seen Maria. Uh, admittedly, I was at the restaurant. Maria was at the restaurant. It's a really nice restaurant behind the cash register at this restaurant. I knew this, so I got the guy to show me a picture of Jean-Claude Duvalier, who's <laughs> come back to Haiti, the ex-dictator. Behind the, he hasn't brought it out yet to hang it on the wall because that might be bad. But Maria was there. I, I said to someone, I said, "Ooh, there's a really beautiful woman here. Who is that?" Yeah. Maria Bell. She's having fun. I'm having fun. The, the salaries are insane. Right. The, the 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 issue of the the foreigners being able to pay five thousand right. dollars for, for for rent displaces expert from Haiti, like for example Tatiana Wa who's one of our yes. only urban planners who left her job at Columbia University to go down there, she had to fold her bags. She could not afford the rent. Yeah. Um, so no, it's very, th there's very another side of the story. Two minutes. Two minutes. What have we got to say to sum it all up? There are the beers in the camp. That's a problem. No, seriously. There are the resumes being written by these kids. I call them in this book the army of the innocents who come down and they get a little notch on their resume and they're and they care so it's really hard to attack you know they really care and i can't really attack i'm not doing it i'm just writing about it you know i'm the most valueless creature there is even less valuable than the than the photographer who at least brings an image of what is most of it real i would say free haiti free haiti and let get the help <laughs> okay, and you, you, some of you might have seen the the in extremis extraordinary Did exhibit. Did you guys look at the of, uh, of, exhibit of, of Gede, the 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 deity of sexuality, life, and death? And it's not because my friend Don is in the audience. It's really because some of my work is on Vodou, and Vodou is a symbol for for Haitian culture and. It, it really encompasses all that we're about in terms of our worldview. And Gede in particular represents all the, the possibilities um, out of narratives of impossibilities. Hi, my name is Ella Turen. And um, my question is for everyone. Um, I really do agree um, with this idea that we need to free Haiti. And I'm wondering about something that, um, I forgot your name. Jordan. Jordan. That you said over and over, and I'm coming with a bias because I have a social work background. But this idea of <clears throat> going in to empower the people who are there, I think it's great to be collaborators. But I also worry that in 
thinking that we can empower folks who are already there, that we lose the idea that they already have their own agency. So I'm wondering about um, what you all think about the agency of the people are th that are there and how they can use that agency, how this topic that we're talking about, people giving money, people giving resources, how that, where that coincides with the agency that people already have, the power that they already have to, to build their own movement, to build their own wells, that sort of thing. Thank you for the question. No, and, and honestly, uh, the notion that you know us coming in there is empowering people is not what I'm trying to say, and that's not true at all. Like if, if we were to say that we're going into Haiti and empowering people, that's such an arrogant mindset and an arrogant approach, and that's not what it is at all. I guess the act of empowering is working alongside somebody. And I just told I told they're this empowering story, you. They're empowering us, and honestly, that's the truth. I tell people all the time. I come back. I came back from Africa for the first time, and I said I thought I was going there to help them, and they helped me. And they changed my perspective. Right, and it sounds like a truism, but it is what, what Sean Penn meant when he said we need Haiti. And that, that's what is great about it for us, but not so great about it for them. Totally. You know? But just to, just to answer this question with, with a quick story that I told you backstage, I, I was saying that there was a, we were in Haiti in a village really close to Jacques Mel, but it was up in the mountain regions. And uh, we, there was a particular woman there who was 72 years old. She had no teeth, wrinkled face, and she was showing us what the hurricane recently did to her home and to the village there. And then we asked her where she went to get water, and she explained it was about an hour hike, and she said, do you want to come with us? We had a translator helping us. And we said, yeah. So she, we, we went on this journey with her. She carried an empty bucket because she said, hey, if I'm going to go, I'm going to bring water back, you know? <laughs> Not just so, for tourists. Exactly, exactly. So we get up there to the top of this source, and there's probably about 100 people gathered around this spring, and they're waiting in line because there's one spring source at the top of this mountain. And, uh, and so, you know, they're all kind of digging to get water, and they said, we're lucky because the hurricane came and it actually brought water here because normally people have to camp out overnight. There's no water. Fist fights are happening. So she collected her water and we see this 70-year-old woman carrying 45 pounds of water in this huge container walking back down the mountain. And at first, you know, we're, we're like, wow, we came here to, to find stories and to plan projects, but there's no way I can sit here and watch a woman 70 years old, the age of my grandma, carry water this heavy down a mountain. So um, I start, I took it from her and said, let me try to carry it for a second. So I'm carrying it down. And then she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's not your job. So she grabs the other side. And then we start carrying this water down the mountain together. And uh, we just had a really good moment there together. And at the end of this walk, she, she looks at me and she had this kind of, you know, emotional face. And she gave me a kiss on the cheek. And she said, toi et moi. And you and I is what she said. And uh, I had a mo spiritual moment in that very occasion because to me, that's what it's all about. Real change starts with you and I. It's you and I doing our part. It's not I'm better than she is. She's not better than I. It's, hey, look, I'm going to bring whatever resources I can to help you. And hopefully that will empower you as the, the, a leader in this village to, to take ownership and to, to grow your future. Maybe your kids will be able to go to school and have a better life at the end of the day. I just want to say one brief thing. One of the problems is, just strategically speaking, the Haitian government which has been developed over the centuries as a tool for sucking money away from whatever happens. So no matter where that, you know, it's like a tool of dysfunction. It's really sad, and it's a global problem. It's not a Haitian problem, in my mind. It's been developed that way for various historical reasons. But that's what it does. It sucks money out of the system. So that makes it hard for people to figure out how to direct money. And that's one of the reasons why so many little things get done around the Haitian government. But as I said before, that's one of the reasons the Haitian government then is incompetent. So it's, it's a vicious cycle that has to be broken. Free Haiti. Yes. Okay. Hi, my name is uh, Zach. And I was just curious, uh, we 
had never planned on going to Haiti, and we ended up there earlier this year to uh, work on an arts project. Um, what what needs to happen? Like there there was a lot that I felt could be happening that the Haitian community um, we were right outside of Jacmel uh, was not doing. Like uh, there was plumbing in our in the place where we were staying, but no running water, and that was true for the entire neighborhood. We all walked you know a half mile down to a pipe that had water coming out of it to collect our water, um, and that being water isn't clean water; it's just source water. Um, but if the community pulled together, they could attach that, that to have indoor plumbing. But the community's not coming together. So I, I guess the question is, um, I don't, I, how, how are you, how is the Haitian community uh, supposed to do what it's not doing? I mean, how is it supposed to How get, is it supposed to come together? How is it supposed it? to yeah. come together and, and, and unite as a people to do the things that could be happening if they felt the same sense of community as they do the sense of family. Because there was a huge, I felt a huge sense of family and helping family, but not a huge sense of we're all the same in the same neighborhood, so let's help each other. So how do, how do they... Claudine, uh, you want to respond a little bit to that? Well, I understand your particular experience um, with that particular community, but I would say that's not my experience in Haiti. Uh, the, the, the population would have died if it wasn't for community helping community. Like in Jacmel, there's this lady, Madame Afriani, who used to be a nurse in the U.S., who out of a six $700 uh, pension that she has from her work, uh, from the U.S., she's fe she was feeding when I went there with uh, some students from, from the U.C. Um, in August 2010. She was feeding 287 kids per day on that money. And they were not all her children? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, How do you know? So, so my experience is very different, but I really think the, the, the issue is politics. Um, why is Haiti where it is? Why is the U.S. government continuing to remove president, put in new president, and manipulate folks? And uh, why are the, for example, with the earthquake, why did people die in this massive number? Okay, you have the exodus to the city. Why? Because you had those neoliberal companies coming in with their baseball balls and Disney shirt that they are uh, sewing and building and doing in the city, and everybody's leaving the, the, the countryside to, to come for that a dollar a day that they get paid in those factories. So it's really why is Haiti this um, target? for people to use for their own benefits, both at the, the larger scale level and also at, at, at in, in smaller ways in the Haitian government's hands. Or, uh, they're not clean, okay? The, the, the government has failed the very people that they were there to serve. Um, so um, I'm afraid we have to go back to the, the uh, political questions about right. why are people so impoverished? Why are they not educated? Why is it that the infrastructure is what it is? And that's probably where we should start. I think the twice. The problem is when you ask a question about simple charity in Haiti, at least, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger till it involves the whole system, and then you get to these giant issues that maybe we're not going to solve right here, but maybe the next questioner will actually And I have to them. say the toi yeah. et moi is very touching it and very sweet. moving, but toi et moi is not going to solve the, the problems of Haiti if it's not addressed at a larger level. Um, if we take the, the resource of aid as um, 
a sheer engine to move projects and action forward. And in a hypothetical world, say that all of that resource is directed at the, um, the player that we see perhaps dropping the ball, the Haitian government. Is this in anyone's mind up there um, a plausible scenario for using aid and resources that um, can be effective and empowering perhaps um, the fulcrum point in the scenario that we're dealing with? I thought about, you know, what if we just gave all our money to the Haitian government? Then I think about the Haitian government, and I think, I'm not giving yeah. all my money to Michel Martelly. No, no way. So, uh, and many Haitian governments, in, even including the ones I like the best, I don't think that I would want to really give all foreign aid to. Then I thought, how about giving it directly to the Haitian people? This was my, my thought. Cash. Just take all the cash. Okay. You don't want to cause a riot. But, like, if there were some way to go downtown to the Champ de Mars, throw all the cash <laughs> up in the air, and then speed away and have it somehow be distributed, you know, the just to get. get half of <laughs> they might. But just to get it into people's hands. And yeah, I just. But I, I would say it's also a matter. The government is not reliable, but it's, it's a matter of getting it in the hands of the right people. The right and getting advice. Like, for example, in Southern California, they are experts. There are people who know Haiti, who've invested years and years of work and, and turning to those people. The other resource is the Haitian Studies Association. We have a membership of uh, 500 professors, both Haitian and non-Haitians, who have devoted their academic life to studying Haiti. And f each one of us probably has one or two projects on the ground that we're helping run. This, that, that's a resource in terms of... Um, going to folks who understand the culture, who know, who respect the people, and who have the track record to show it, versus every person deciding, I'm going to go down there and, and teach baseball, or I'm going to go down there and run this project or this art exhibit or what have you. Um, it's, it's not organized, and there are people who mean well, but there's also a lot of ego involved. There's a lot of um, career building involved in those experiences. And there are genuine people also who want to do good, but those kind of isolated interventions are not going to solve the problem of infrastructures of Haiti. It has to be systematized. Like the issue of higher education in Haiti. There is a consortium of Haitian professors, and right now it's located at CUNY, who are taking into their hands the issue of guiding the government in terms of rebuilding a proper university system. Then you have all those other projects, often well-meaning students, who don't necessarily listen to Haitian professors. And there's a case in the UC system, and I have to give a shout-out to Nicola Pascal, who's tried to reach out to me. Uh, and I was introduced as the executive director of UC Haiti. I guess I was for nine months. <laughs> but after we took 20 students to Haiti, they decided that they didn't need the two Haitian professors out of 10,000 professors in the UC system who work on Haiti. And that's troubling. And like a right. colleague of mine said, it would not be that troubling if this was not a microcosm of, of the, whole the whole situation. My question is specific to you because I want the Haitian point of view on this. Uh, the question of this panel was, does Hollywood help Haiti? Now, given the nature of Haiti being about, I think it's about 80 to 90 percent Roman Catholic, specifically, do you think that the Roman Catholic Church has done more harm or help? And if so, why? More harm. Um, well, the Catholic Church is a product of the West. This is not the religion of the people of Haiti. We are fundamentally an African society. 
with African values, African ways of thinking, African ways of knowing, African ways of being. And it's been an imposition. And uh, I guess the Catholic Church at least cohabit with Vodou, whereas the Protestant enterprises persecute Vodou. And um, that's a much more aggressive uh, way of attacking the fundamental essence of, of Haitians who are not trying to tell the world that th there's only one world and one way of seeing things uh, on the planet. Um, but the Catholic Church is fading in Haiti. All the Catholic Churches, first of all, sure. came down in the earthquake, plus the uh, Protestant missionaries. <laughs> but really, he's a water man. Have, have really gone, gone to Haiti in a big way before the earthquake. Uh, the Mormon church, very big. Uh, not that they're exactly Protestant, but they're, and all the Protestant denominations have been down there in force. And a lot of my friends who are vaudouisant at base, but who were Catholic, they're now Protestant. So, uh, you know, it's, it's weird how attractive that has been. There's a lot of money But they bring, they bring schools, they yeah, bring they health. Yeah, they bring everything. And, and um, the, the, the Haitians who are vaudouisants don't have access to resources. Right. And, and uh, as I said at, at the beginning, it's really a broad issue of access and privilege and who, who has the platform to do what. Um, and when? One of the issues, as it says, you know, and I know Amy is well aware of, you know, and probably with Michelle, Haiti is a perfect example, in my opinion, before I ask the question is, we all say, you know, everyone goes to Haiti to help. But one of the key problems as a Haitian myself, I noticed, I came to realize, is there's no accountability for any entity going in to help mm -hmm. Haiti. And the fault lies mainly, like I said, with the major NGOs, UNICEF, USAID, which been all over the world. And it falls back, of course, naturally, we say the Haitian government. But one other thing that I'm, I'm realizing people are not truly aware, we never had a Haitian government that were self-imposed. It's always been, as in, been imposed on us. At one time, of course, with the Aristide scenario, which everyone is aware of, but the phenomenon of Aristide, so sadly enough, as an activist, once he accepted to go into politics, learned that he really didn't know much about Haiti. And imagine now for us on the outside, assuming that we can go into an environment as such, you know, to help. And I think accountability should be something that we should start looking into, starting to put pressure on these help organizations to be accountable to what they're going to do. Accountable to whom, though? How to us. To the Haitian people. To the us. Like to you the said, Haitian since people. today, as we said, does Hollywood really help? And I think that's a great... Accountability anthem. is so important, but you have to have exactly. an institution to be accountable to. True. And it's really, you know, it's hard, as you said, it's hard to find that institution um, in Haiti. Haiti. Well, yeah, it's pretty non-existent unless you're going through USAID, then you're going through USAID. So it's kind of hard. So you have to be what Jordan says he is, and I like to believe yeah. him, accountable to yourself and able to show the documents and have a 501c3, yeah. be accountable at least to the United States government, which cares yep. about you being good at least. So, I mean, that's the, that's the one place where you can be accountable. Uh, where some of the more successful attempts were possibilities in terms of uh, breaking that Western stereotype? Uh, towards voodoo. Um, 
voodoo as a religion, uh, voodoo as a way of life. Uh, like how you were addressing earlier with the quote from Lao Tzu, uh, in Asian cultures, um, Taoism is also not just more than just a religion, but part of the way of life. It's highly syncretized, just like voodoo uh, situation in Haiti, syncretized with uh, Catholicism, syncretized um, in, in terms of Taoism, syncretized with tradition and culture. Um, so what are some of the potential possibilities of you seeing uh, were some of the successful past attempts uh, they have done towards breaking that stereotype? Well, Patrick Belgod Smith tells us that there won't be democracy in Haiti until the people and the culture of Haiti is respected. And I think um, that's a good way to start. And um, earlier we were having a conversation where we were discussing the fact that after a campaign led by Professor Kate Ramsey of the University of Miami, we were able to have the Library of Congress very recently change the spelling from V-O-O-D-O-O, -O -O, which is a creation of the Euro-American imaginary, to the real spelling of the religion uh, that Haitians use, which is V-O-D-O-U. My new um, book. Spelled so the wrong way. The wrong way. <laughs> On purpose, though, as I was telling Claudine. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but it has to do with any... Whenever you... It, it's about... Whenever you're dis describing, you know, black and white and, you know, one type of religion versus the Western type of religion, you are creating hierarchies. And hierarchies always mean superior versus inferior. But as you mentioned with some of the Asian religion, um, voodoo is a way of life. Voodoo is a way of surviving for the Haitian people. Uh, voodoo is about sustaining communities. And voodoo is about much more than... Rituals. Vodou is about sustaining the economy with the combit that uh, Amy mentioned about the drapeau and all those other things that are being prepared and sold uh, in, in the outside yeah. market. Um, Vodou is about schooling. And when my first book in Haiti was about the moral and educational character of Haitian Vodou. You put kids in the classroom where you have them competing against one another versus using the ethos of the Vodou, which is about cooperation and, and building things together as a community. And you would see the different results in the classroom. So um, I just wanted to, I think I'm supposed to end this. And uh, so I just want to say that one of the things that I think that Claudine has showed us very aptly here is that Haiti is a complicated place. And that's, that's one of the main problems with uh, Hollywood coming to Haiti. You have to know a place somewhat, at least, before you can help people there, before you can know the community before you can insert yourself in any meaningful way as a, as a helper. And a lot of the times, with what we see, especially with Hollywood, which is so kind of ecstatic and fervent and desperate to help out, uh, you see a, a non-communication that just maybe doesn't really work successfully. And Amy, when they have an event on Haiti, fundraiser, have more than Wycliffe present. Yeah. Okay, right there. Here's Ella, here's this gentleman. And they are experts. You know, there's Claude Alexon. Right. There are other people in the community. There Professor Willens, who's work on Haiti, Professor Constantino. So really call on us. Don't, don't decide yeah. that you are going but to But at the same time, don't let me be, as I was for some architects, the Haitian advisor. I, I've, that's not right either. Right? <laughs> yes, but Amy, 
there's some of you with a long tradition working in Haiti, but there are also the 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 the, the Haitians. Okay? That's right. The professors, the social workers, but also organic folks, organic intellectuals who can make great contributions. So turn to the Haitian. Invite us at some of those events. We'll be glad to come and. Um, yeah, we want, some we want to get into the green room. The okay, <laughs> we want to be on the red carpet. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll Thank see you, you at the reception. Thank you, guys. <laughs>